Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you have someone in your corner? Now, if I'm not mistaken, having someone in your corner is something that is said in, in boxing. If you're fighting with somebody in the ring and, and someone's in your corner, they're, they're helping you, they're assisting you. When you get a, a jab to the face and you're a little disoriented and you take a time out, they're there with the, the towel and with some words of encouragement, some words of advice helping you, supporting you, advising you, comforting you. And as we fight the good fight, as we fight against our enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, we're not fighting by ourselves, but we have the Spirit of God in our corner. Galatians 5.17 says it this way, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. When someone is in Christ, when someone has a new heart, when someone has received the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit of God dwells within them, then the fight against the world, the fight against the devil, the fight against our own flesh is not a fight that we do by ourselves. We have the Spirit on our side. The Lord Jesus said that to the disciples before he ascended into heaven. He says, I will not leave you alone. I will send you another helper, as our translation has it, or another comforter, as other translations have it. And that word for helper or comforter in the Scriptures that refers to the Holy Spirit is a word which is very, very broad in its meaning. It has the idea of someone who is coming alongside you. Imagine somebody training for a marathon, and they're running every day, and they're trying to get further every day, and, and, and build their endurance, and build their speed, and bring their times down, and their coach is coming alongside them with advice and with encouragement. That's the kind of idea that we have in the word helper or comforter, right? a coach, an, an exhorter, a, a trainer, someone who's on your side, someone who's supporting you, who loves you, who wants the best for you, who is in your corner. And so if he is your comforter, that does not necessarily mean that he's always going to seek your comfort. Sometimes a trainer, a coach, will be knocking on the door at five in the morning saying, come on, lazy bones, get out of bed, you've got to train. And sometimes they push us beyond what we think are our limits of endurance. And so the Holy Spirit is our comforter, but he certainly does not seek at all costs that we're always feeling comfortable. Now this afternoon we have before us that article in the Creed, I Believe in the Holy Spirit, the Apostles' Creed divided into three sections. And in the creeds we are confessing who we believe, God. Those are the three ecumenical creeds. They speak of who he is and what he has done. And then... This Lord's Day, we come to that third section of the creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not just abstract theology. You can do a lot of abstract theology about who the Holy Spirit is, what his person, his work is, and how he relates to the other persons in the Trinity. You can write big, thick, dusty tomes. They will become dusty after a while, I guess, about this topic. But as we gather this afternoon as the Church of God, when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about something in a theological textbook. We're not talking about something buried in the second basement level of the library at the nearest seminary. We are speaking of one whom we know. 
and who knows us, of one whose power is in, at work in us, of one who dwells within us. We are speaking of God, the Spirit, with whom we have an intimate relationship. There's nothing abstract or theoretical about this confession. We are speaking of one who loves us with an eternal love. We are speaking of the one who brings us to Christ. Now, who is the Spirit of God, and, and we begin the Lord's Day by, by confessing the Orthodox Christian teaching from the Scriptures that the Holy Spirit of God is not a thing, He is not a power like electricity or magnetism or some other kind of power in creation, but He is God Himself. He is the third person of the Trinity. If you have your Bible handy, move in your Bible to Acts chapter 5, and look there at verse 3. And you'll see in verses 3 and 4 that the apostle is confronting Ananias and Sapphira. He says to them, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. Why would you do that? And then in the very next verse, he says, you have not lied to man, but you have lied to God. And so in Acts chapter 5, the verses 3 and 4, the scripture makes clear that the Holy Spirit is God. And there are many, many, many more texts in Scripture which teach us that truth. He is God. And now, God, the Holy Spirit, God together with God the Father and God the Son, He is true and eternal God, is also given to me. Now, we just read that, and I'm not sure if we really can comprehend that. What does it mean? God, the Holy Spirit, is given to me. Well, what does the Bible say? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? He lives in your heart. The Spirit of God dwelt in the midst of His people in the Old Testament dispensation, in the temple, behind the veil, separated from sinners by all kinds of rituals and all kinds of roadblocks that kept most of them out of his presence. Only the high priest once a year could come into the Holy of Holies. God's Holy Spirit, God dwelt by his Spirit in the midst of his people, but there were all kinds of barriers around him so that the sinner could not draw near. And even so, even though access was so limited. Yet the saints in the Old Testament, and we read the Psalms, they, they keep crying out to God saying, God, oh, that I could dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yes, I know you're on the other side of the curtain, and I can't go in there, but I just want to be as close to you as possible. That's my dream. I'd rather spend one day as a doorkeeper in the, in the, in the house of God than a thousand days in the tents of the wicked. And then we come to the new dispensation, the New Testament. And God answers all of those prayers. And he says, you are the temple. I am dwelling within you right now. Child of God, Christian, right now, you have inside you, literally inside you, the presence of the spirit of the living God. 
And what does Paul say to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1.21? It is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put His seal on us and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Like a man puts a ring on the finger of his beloved and says, I promise that we shall be married. We belong to each other. I love you. My love is yours. And yours alone. So God has given us a promise. A token of his faithfulness. He has given us himself. He's given us his spirit. Heaven has been poured into our hearts as a guarantee that that is where we are going. This is the glory of Pentecost. This is what the Old Testament saints were longing for. You remember when Moses was told to set apart 70 elders, and then you remember that the Lord, there in Numbers chapter 11, the Lord put his spirit on those 70 elders. The Lord took from the spirit that was in Moses and distributed it amongst the 70 elders. They shared in the anointing uh, for office. They were given the, the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work of the office to which they were called. And when that happened, they were all together and they started prophesying because the Spirit was upon them. And then there were two of them that, for some reason, didn't come to the gathering. They were still in the camp amongst the people. And they, where they were, started prophesying, showing that God had also put His Spirit upon them. And then there was a complaint about this. Joshua said, well, should I tell them to stop? And then Moses answers, Numbers chapter 11, verse 29. No, 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 don't tell them to stop. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Moses says, oh, for the day when every man, woman, and child and the people of God would have the Holy Spirit of God upon them. And that's exactly what happened. At Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, they were gathered together, the whole church. And the anointing of the head of the church, Jesus Christ, flowed down onto the members of the body of Christ. And you look there in Acts chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Each one, he came upon each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just the, the disciples. It wasn't just the 11. It was all of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So the whole church received the anointing of the Spirit. This is the promise. For everyone who is united to Christ by true faith, everyone who is part of the body of Christ, you look there in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And Peter says, look, you're surprised by what has happened here today? I'm telling you that you can have this too. All you need to do is repent and believe and be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a promise and a guarantee. This is a right for every person who is part of the church of the body of Christ, every true believer as the anointing of the Spirit, as we share in Christ's threefold office. Every true believer has the indwelling of the Spirit as we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And so we have a very intimate connection with and knowledge of the Spirit of God as He is in us and upon us wherever we are in every moment of our lives. Now, what does He do? Well, we confess from Scripture that he, that he 
makes us to share in Christ and all his benefits. And if you look back at Lord's Day 7, you'll see some of those benefits listed in the last part of the creed. You look at those 12 articles, and the eighth one is, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't move on from there to the Holy Catholic Christian Church and forget about the Holy Spirit. If you have your catechism open there to page 524, you see the three sections. The first section, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. That's with him. The second section, I believe in Jesus Christ. And then there's a list of the, the works of our Lord Jesus Christ. That he was conceived, that he was born, he suffered, was crucified, descended, arose, ascended, sits at the right hand, will come to judge. Those are all things, works of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in the third part of the creed, we have, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And the last articles have to do with the work of the Spirit. These are the benefits of Christ that he applies to us. The Holy Catholic Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Everything that belongs to us in Christ, the Spirit applies to us. He is the one who connects us to the Lord Jesus, and he is the one who connects us to everything that we have in the Lord Jesus. He is the one who, when the gospel comes to us, opens our ears so we can hear it, opens our minds so that we can understand it, opens our hearts so that we can receive it. And he is the one who shows us what it looks like in the world to be connected to Christ. And what, what does it look like if you are in Christ? What does, it connect, what does it look like if you are united to Christ? Well, the Apostle John tells us you can't love, see you love God if you don't love the brothers. And so if you truly are a believer, you cannot be apart from the visible church of the Lord Jesus Christ, outside of which we confess there is no salvation. And so the Holy Spirit connects us to Christ and to one another. That's why we confess the next line in the creed. I believe a holy Catholic Christian church, the communion of saints, because what builds up the body, and that's the theme of our home visits this year, what builds up the body, what connects us, is not social connections, it's not that we do nice things for one another, although that is very nice, but what connects us is not blood, what connects us is not marriage, what connects us is not common ethnicity or shared history or shared and common interests, but what connects us as the body of the Lord Jesus Christ is that we can look at each other. And we can say, I see God in you. This is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. This is what attracts us to one another. This is what, young people, attracts you to your future spouse, that you see that you have fellowship in the Holy Spirit. There's no deeper and more meaningful connection that two human beings can have than that each one of them is in the Lord Jesus Christ, that each one of them has the Spirit of the living God dwelling within them, and that that is what draws them together. And this is a great comfort. We're not alone in the world. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going away, but I will still be with you in and by my Spirit. We are not alone in our struggles, but the Spirit 
of the Lord Jesus Christ is upon us, and he lives in us. And the Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. What do we have to fear? If the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ lives in my heart as as I am his temple, if God is with me, if God is on my side, against me shall be none. We have the spirit of power. And that is why in the history of the church, young little girls have gone forth to be martyred for the cause of Christ with a courage and a boldness that the Roman soldiers could simply not believe or understand. Because those who are in Christ have the very spirit of the power of God within them. We can overcome any temptation in his power. We can deal with any fear in his power. And we can stand firm and courageous against all the forces of the powers of darkness without being intimidated. We're not alone. We're not left to ourselves. We don't fight in our own power, but we are connected. We're connected to everyone who is animated by the same spirit. The Bible teaches us that individually, each one of us is a temple. The spirit of God lives within us. But then the Bible also describes the church as a whole as the temple. And when the Bible uses that picture, it describes each one of us as living stones joined and connected together to make this glorious cathedral, this temple in which the Spirit of God dwells upon this earth. That's what the world has to see. The world has to see that we're not just a bunch of people showing up on Sunday as a bunch of individuals to get some religious instruction, to get some encouraging words, and then we all go back to our individual lives and goals. That's not how the Bible describes the church. That's like going to McDonald's when you want some junk food. You have no connection with the people at the next table. You have no connection with the people behind you in the drive-thru. And that's how a lot of people treat the church nowadays. They're there for themselves. You go to a big, massive church, and you may not see the same people ever because they have multiple services, and people show up whenever they feel like it. But that's not how the Bible describes the church. The Bible describes the church as the temple, as living stones knit together in the temple. The Bible describes the church like Psalm 16 says, we love God's saints. With them we are united. We feel closer to someone in whom dwells the spirit of the living God than with someone who is our own flesh and blood but hates the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you notice that? Perhaps some of us have unbelieving relatives, and it hurts, but it's true. We feel closer to our brothers and sisters in Christ than we do to those who are related by blood but hate the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you look there at Lord's Day 7, and you see that these are the benefits that, that, we, that we share in Christ and all his benefits. This is what the Holy Spirit applies to us, the, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins. That's another benefit the Holy Spirit applies to us. Every time the word is preached, every time the sacraments are administered, the Holy Spirit of God is at work, spirit and word always working together. And every time he's reminding us 
of who we are in Christ, of what we have in Christ, that the forgiveness of sins is ours, that our sins have been cast into the depth of the sea, that we are clean and washed and pure and innocent and holy, because He is the Spirit of holiness. And I believe the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting, the Spirit comforts us in the face of death. He is the life-giving Spirit. And if we are in Christ and we have, uh, if we are part of the body of Christ, then just like Jesus could not stay dead because He is the Lord of life, His body could not stay dead, but it had to come back out of the grave. So also for us, brother and sister. That's why the Lord Jesus says, He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Because when the Spirit of God dwells within you, God is life. And your body might die, and it might temporarily be laid in the earth for a time until God has organized the final things that need to be organized for the great day when everything is consummated. But you cannot stay dead because you belong to Christ. You are united to Christ by the Spirit of God, the God, the life-giving Spirit of God. So in a world full of lies and deceit, the Spirit of truth gives us comfort. In the world where there's so much injustice and persecution, Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, we are comforted because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon us. And so the Christian who is in Christ and who has the Holy Spirit can be in a concentration camp, can be in solitary confinement, can be cast into a, a pit. It doesn't matter because nothing can take away that fact that when we are in Christ, and when we have the Spirit, the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon us. That is the overwhelming truth which the devil cannot take away from us. And in a world of anger and hatred, a world of betrayal, we are comforted because, as Romans 5, 5 tells us, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love has been poured into our hearts. The Bible says that the Spirit has been put into our hearts. The Bible says that God's love has been put into our hearts. It's kind of the same thing because God is love. God has poured himself into our hearts. And that love, which unites the Father and the Son in unbreakable and eternal holy trinity, that same love, unbreakably and eternally unites you to Christ. Think about that for a second here. In the eternalness, the eternity of the Trinity, the Father and the Son love one another in the Spirit in infinite love. And that bond, which is divine and infinite, God lets us experience to a degree as much as we can being human beings. His Spirit comes into us and unites us eternally and unbreakably to the Trinity, to God. The Spirit of Christ is in the head, and the Spirit of Christ is in the body, just like your spirit. Your, your life is in your head and in every member of your body. 
So the Spirit of Christ who is in him, the head, is in us, the members. We share in the same Spirit. Now it would be unthinkable for any one of us to withdraw our spirit and our life from one of our members. That would, that would be foolish. That would be self-mutilation to, to cut off one of our members, to cut off, let's say, a finger so it doesn't participate in the life of the body and in the, in the spirit uh, that we have. It just rots and dies. We wouldn't do that because we love our bodies and we take care of them. And so Jesus, it is even, if it's unthinkable for you to cut off a part of your body, it's even more unthinkable for Christ to withdraw his spirit from you. The Lord Jesus doesn't give you his spirit to say, well, I'm going to do a test drive here. I'm going to give you my spirit for a time, and I'm going to see how you, how you do, do with that. If, if you're a good Christian, and if you grow in holiness, then maybe I'll give you another year, and then I'll see again. That's not how the Lord works. His gifts and his calling are irrevocable. He does not change his mind. He who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. That is the guarantee of the gospel. And that's why we confess. He has given to me to, to make me share in Christ and all his benefits, to comfort me and to remain with me forever. Even when I'm in Psalm 88 mode and everything's dark and I see no hope and I'm depressed and I'm miserable and I cannot see any way out of my misery, even then, look at Psalm 139. I cannot flee from your spirit. Because even the darkness is light to you. Even the, the depth of the darkness of my depression, which makes it so that I cannot see my hand in front of my face, is nothing to God. His spirit sees right through it. His spirit will always be with me. His spirit will always comfort me, even when I am not even aware of it. So, brother and sister, the Spirit of God is in you. Do you notice it? Do others notice it? If, if God took the sun and stuck it inside your body, do you think you would notice? I think you would. Do you think other people would notice? I think you would be shining brightly. I think other people would notice. Well, God has done something greater than this. God has put the Spirit of His Son into you. The very love of God fills you. And he is not in you to accuse you. He is not in you to berate you, to tell you that you're doing a terrible job of being a Christian. But he is in you to love you, to heal you, to show Christ to you, to purify you, to sanctify you, to cleanse you, to encourage you, to teach you, to transform you from glory to glory after the image of Christ. That is what the Holy Spirit of God is doing. He is changing you into a man, a woman, a child, so full of truth and goodness, righteousness, love, and glory, that even in the eyes of the heavenly angels, and even in the eyes of the Father himself, you look as beautiful and holy and lovable as the very Son of God himself. This 
is the comfort the Comforter gives me, that I am not alone, that I am not my own, but that I am in Christ, and that in him I have everything. Amen.